0: Amen. Well, we're not going to delay today. We want to actually get right into the Word of God. How many are ready and, and to receive the Word of God? All right. We're gonna start off today, we're gonna to be reading out of the Gospel of Luke. We're gonna read in Luke 19. I'm gonna read 10 verses of that uh, from verse number one through to 10. And then Pastor Sherry's gonna to try to uh, pick up from there and not preach a whole message uh, just on, on this particular passage.
1: I have no guarantees, but we'll No see guarantees, she
0: tells me, but uh, she's like, you know, she's like, you know, this opening passage, you can preach a whole message on. And I said, absolutely. But I said, uh, it's just our introduction today, dear. So, All right, right, you guys ready? We'll what and Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, which was the chief among the publicans. And he was rich. And he sought to see Jesus who he was and could not for the press because he was little of statue. And he ran before and climbed up a sycamore tree to see him. For he was to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up. And he saw him, and he said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must abide at thy house. And he made haste, and he came down, and he received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all murmured, saying that he is gone to be a guest with a man that is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have taken anything from the man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. And Jesus said to him, This day salvation has come to this house. For as much as he is also a son of Abraham, for the son of man is come to seek and save that which is lost.
1: All right, let's dive into this. (laughs) Honestly, I love the story of Zacchaeus because there is so much in this and um, there's such a reflection of how we can live our everyday lives just by what happens in this story. So let's just kind of get a whole picture of what happened here. You guys know the story of Zacchaeus? You know who Zacchaeus was? He was, to put it plainly, he was a rotten man. He just, he was not a good man. He stole from people and he was known among the people to, um, to be this way he was just, he He was the chief of the publicans. He did not live a great life. But in this passage, what it says, I want to actually go to verse five. It says, and when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said to him. So here we can see that Jesus saw him in this moment. And, uh, and you know, Jesus is just walking, Jesus is walking with the crowd and like to, to think, to picture this, like sometimes we think like, oh, there's a tree. Zacchaeus is up there. He's like, hey, Jesus. And Jesus is like, oh, hey, Zacchaeus, let's go for tea. But that's not how it happened. Jesus had a multitude of people around him. And I know what it's like for me when there's, you know, a couple people around me that I can't tell what's going on all around me. But in that moment, there was a multitude, many people around him, and in that moment, he heard his name being called, but he knew exactly what was going to happen, and he turned to the tree, and he says, Zacchaeus. He knew who it was. He knew who was up there. He saw him, and he spoke to him, and he said something to him. He says, I'm, come down I'm I'm going to your house today it says make haste like come now come down for today I must come to your house so we can see that Christ saw him Christ spoke to him and then Christ called him out of the tree And here's the thing is that that tree I'm sorry There's a lot to this thing but that that tree was a provision and the tree was not just put there in that moment and I I think I've shared this before, that tree was likely planted like 200 years before or something, like it takes a long time for sycamore trees to grow to the strength to be able to climb up a tree right? So that provision was there. It was planted at least 200 years before Zacchaeus would be in that moment, knowing that in that moment when Zacchaeus needed that tree, Jesus would be walking in that exact spot. That tree had to be in that spot, and Zacchaeus would be there to go up that tree because there was an appointment that he had with Jesus. And so we have provisions that are in our life, but here's the thing is that Zacchaeus had to be able to trust God to leave that provision in that moment to be able to encounter Christ in a new way. So he couldn't survive on that um, provision forever. He couldn't live up in that tree thinking that Jesus was going to come meet him in the tree. Jesus wanted to go to his house. And so he had to walk through that and go, um, go with Jesus. He had to take action. And when Christ came, he did not dwell on Zacchaeus' shortcomings. This is my favorite part of this is that the presence of God was what transformed Zacchaeus' life. The love of God will bring men to repentance. And so what happened was Jesus' presence just caused Zacchaeus to want to repent of, all, of he, all that he had done wrong to the point that he was going to make restitution, right? I think I'm going ahead of myself, but I'm not sure. Yes, so Zacchaeus answers the call with repentance and um and so when he did this this was a big deal and because Zacchaeus he was they actually called him like a fig informer or a sycophant you guys ever heard that word before do you know what a sycophant is it is somebody who sucks the life sucks everything dry out of something Zacchaeus it's like
0: a parasite like a parasite yeah
1: just just takes everything to themselves. They the, any nourishment that comes in, any health, any extra, they're taking it to themselves. And this is what he was known for here. And so the conviction the conviction that Jesus brought brought him to repentance. And it says salvation came to his house that day in verse verses is this? ten. Says, and Jesus said to him, This day is salvation come to this house, for so for as so much as he also is a son of Abraham, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. Repentance is an important thing. See, Zacchaeus could have sat there and Zacchaeus could have been like, what? I'm cool. You came to my house. You wanted me. So I must be fine. But that's not the way that it happened. The love of God just brought Zacchaeus to a place where he was like, I need to be changed. I need this to be different in my life. And not only do I need to be different, but I need to now restore so, repentance was a big thing. But here's the thing how do we repent of something if we don't know what sin is? How do we repent of sin if we don't know what sin is? Mm-hmm.
0: So the question is, is what is sin? And so I just really, sin really is an immoral act uh, considered to be a trans, transgression against divine law or right or the law of God, right? Adam was given one law in the garden. Do not eat of this of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And Adam broke that law. And when he did, we fell into, there was a state of, of sin that came into the world because if he broke the divine law of God. See, what happens is, is that sin is really what we call an attack on the holiness of God. And when the holiness of God comes into contact or you know with sin, you really have an outcome that really produces what we call the wrath of God. And in this particular case, right, it says, for in Romans 1 18 it says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. And then in Romans 4.15 it says, The law worketh wrath. And this is really why God, Christ had to end up coming at the place of salvation to be able to redeem mankind because of his wrath that was poured out on the sin uh, from the fall of man. And I want to read here. So sin, what happens is is that there was consequences. Sin has two main consequences, which is, first of all, uh, it's, it's physical death an eternal death. And the eternal death is separation as well from God. And that's what sin happens. And I want to just quote a couple of scriptures from you. In Genesis 2, 17, it says, but from the knowledge of the tree of good and evil, you shall not eat for in the day that you eat, you shall surely die. In Romans five twelve, it says, therefore, just as through one man sin entered into the world and death through sin. And so death spread to all men because of sin. James 1.15 says then when lust has conceived it gives birth to sin and when sin is accomplished it brings forth death. Once again, in Romans 6, 23, it says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Are you getting the, the, the picture of what God's word says. Sin brings about death. And in Isaiah 59, 2, it says, but your iniquities have separated you from God and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear you. Sin separates us from God, and this is really important for us to know because when it separates us from God, it separates us physically, it separates us spiritually, and uh, this is really the work that Christ did at Calvary was to restore you back into a relationship with God so that you were no longer separated from him, but you are now bound back together in the family of God into a place of unity, Amen? amen? Amen.
1: And here's the thing is that, you know, these actually, these principles seem fairly basic. Even while I'm saying these, I'm like, you know what? The majority of people probably know that repentance is, is an important part of our salvation, right? Mm-hmm. How, how many of you guys have heard that before, that you need to repent of your sins? But the thing is, is that in our society today and in our nation, we're beginning to hear that sin is no longer being called sin anymore. And so if you don't know God's word to know what is actually sin and what is going to keep you from God's presence, then you won't know enough to to be able to repent of it and therefore you won't have repentance as a part of your, of your lifestyle, which is what we're meant to live as believers. Right, And so in this, in this season, while we're preaching something that seems to be you know, a, a fairly um, foundational, basic truth that we, that we have as Christians, it's something that is ever more so important to continue to go over because we are going to need the knowledge and the understanding of this as we go in through our everyday life in the seasons to come and in the, in the way that the things are going in the world. Amen. Amen. So repentance, what is it? I actually, I love repentance. Repentance is such a beautiful, thing beautiful thing. And not that I actually, you know, have a great desire, you know, in my flesh to want to repent when I've done something that wrong. But it's you always know.
0: wonderful when it takes place within the marriage relationship. And she's like, I it's, repent. It's nice when
1: he repents. Still <laughs> love you. It's a rare
0: occasion, but you know. <laughs>
1: But what is repentance? Repentance is, it is absolutely a beautiful thing. And it's something that as believers, we need to incorporate into our everyday life. So the word actually comes from uh, the word metanoeo, which means to think differently or to change one's mind for the better, it says, to heartily, heartily to mend with abhorrence of one's past sins. I read that and I thought about, um, I read a flyer that Pastor Rick had given me of um, a place that he had been where they um, have a prayer of repentance and they re- they're repenting on behalf of their nation and things like that. And as, like, as I'm reading this, they're, they're calling sin like terrible and absolutely horrendous. And I'm thinking, how many of us in the Western world use those terms when we're repenting? that we're repenting of something that is absolutely terrible you know and 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 we when we think about terrible sins we're thinking about murder all of those types of things like the the big things right but let me just put this out there is that sin is sin all sin will separate you from god and so it doesn't matter what sin what sin it is it will separate you from god and it is absolutely horrendous no matter what sin it is because It goes against God's divine law and it goes against everything in his nature and everything that he is. And so, um, I, I, and, and with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is the one who actually, you know, we works in conjunction with us. So when we are going about our everyday life and we're allowing the Holy Spirit to just live in our life and walk with us and speak to us, he prompts us of things that maybe we're doing or things that we're not doing that we need to repent of. And that's how we incorporate that lifestyle of repentance into our life. And I like how Thessalonians, Thessalonians gives us a great example. Um, 1 Thessalonians 1, 9 to 10, it says, For they themselves declare declare concerning us what manner of entry we had to you, and how you turned to God from idols. This is repentance. It says, To serve the living and true God, and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus who delivers us from the wrath to come. See, repentance is not just about receiving forgiveness. I mean it, that that's a great part of it, but repentance is about completely turning around. I remember going um, to Florida one time, and um, we we landed, we rented a car, and we were going to go to my sister's house. And this was the first time that we were going to be driving to my sister's house. Normally, she would come pick us up or whatever. And he, Sherry was
0: the navigator.
1: I was navigating without the internet. Okay, so just keep that in mind. Don't judge me too harshly. So he says he's coming up to the to the freeway, and he says, "Which way, east or west?" I'm like. Uh, 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 west or east. I don't even remember which way it was now. But so I just like said, "Uh, I think it's this way because it looked like that was the way that we were supposed to go. So we get on. And then after a while, I'm like, I feel like, like I should have recognized something by this point. And then all of a sudden, I realized the signs are saying to Miami and not to Apopka. And I was like, Oh, no, we've been driving for 45 minutes. And we're not on the right way. Like, uh, honey, maybe you just want to kind of pull into this rest center for a second. We might need to just renavigate for a second. He's like, well, what, what's the matter? Like, just, just pull in here for a second. So he pulls in and then I am go in and I'm trying to ask the guy like, am I on the right road? Are we going the right way or the wrong way or how, where am I going? And he says, oh, no, no, no. You're about an hour the wrong way. He's like, you got to go the other way. And so when I found out that I was going the wrong way, If I would have got on the road and went the wrong way some more, that would not have changed anything in my life. What I needed to do was get on and turn around and go completely the other way. And this is what repentance is. It's that when you finally realize what you are doing wrong, when the Holy Spirit convicts you, you go, hold on a second. This is not the right way that I'm supposed to be going. God, forgive me of this terrible, horrible sin. And now I'm going to completely turn around and I'm walking in this way because this is the right way to go. Amen?
0: Amen. You know, that whole conversation, you know, started with repentance as well about that turnaround on the highway. And uh, anyways, I, you know, one, one thing that was nice about it was I had rented, I think, a Camaro uh, at, at that time, and you know, we got to drive around in a sports car. So I was like, ah, oh, that's not too bad. I get to drive a little bit longer on the highway. But, but she, she actually, one of the things she started off on that was, I think this is the way to go, right? But she didn't really consult The proper information, we have the Holy Spirit, you know, sometimes we just make these decisions even, you know, based on our feelings and based on our emotions or based on our logic, but we don't really consult what we should be doing and going in the right direction. Amen. So, you know, one of the things right, you know, uh, here is, is I just want to bring is, is that. In First John, I'm going to read in 1, um, chapter 1, verse 5 to 10, as well as First um, John 2, 1 and 2. These are two verses I want to read together. This is the message that we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, then we lie and we do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. And if we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Then it goes on and it says, "My little children, these things I write to you that so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteousness, the righteous, and He Himself is propriation for our sins, and He." And not for ours only, but for the whole world. And this is really something that we need to really be aware of. And there's different terms, but I said, you know, we change from glory to glory. That first act of repentance and salvation is something that we call justification, where Christ really bore that righteousness for us and bestowed it upon us so that we could, through faith, be justified right in, in where we were at. But after that, there comes a process of sanctification. And sanctification is really where we become more and more in the likeness of God. Right, this is where we work towards, right? You know, and it's not all about just works, but it's a byproduct of becoming more into the image and the nature of God Himself. Right, when we submit into being a Christian, when we submit into, even to the waters of baptisms, what we are saying is is that we want to be a follower of Christ and submit to His teachings. And when we do such, we want to become. It says to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Right, but we want to be transformed into the image and likeness of Christ. In Second Corinthians seven, in verse number. number. Number 10, it says, for godly sorrow produces repentance leading to salvation, not to be regretted, but the sorrow of the world produces death. For observe this very thing that you sorrowed in a godly manner, what diligence it produced in you, what clearing of yourselves, what indignation, what fear, what vehement desire, what zeal, what vindication In all things you proved yourself to be clear in this matter. One of the things that we really need to be aware of is, is that, you know, repentance is not what we call worldly sorrow. It's not just that, oops, I got caught. Uh, you know, I, I did something, you know, blah, 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 blah. It's, it's about, I feel Godly sorrow for the wrong action that I did. I took accountability for that. And as Pastor Sherry said, there's an about face that is made. And then you start walking in a new direction in accordance to the will, plan, and purposes that God has for you.
1: Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Amen. So there are things that true repentance Is going to bring about in your life and will reflect. The first thing is truth. 1 Timothy 2.4 says, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of truth. See, it's pointless to repent if you don't actually know the truth, right? If you don't know what it is that you're repenting of. And here's the thing. How many of you have ever encountered where um, you're, you're trying to apologize for something or somebody else is trying to apologize for something and they say, I'm sorry, you sorry you thought that I did this. I'm sorry you felt this way. And it's all, it's, it's deflecting off of anything, any, um, anything that you've actually done, right? Where if you're taking responsibility for the sin that you've committed, what you're saying is, God, I'm sorry that I did this. I, I understand that I did A, B, C, And it went against your word, your command. And so I ask that you forgive me. I ask that you show me how to change this in my life. Because there are going to be things that maybe you need to repent of that are maybe a lifestyle that you've been living. Maybe it's a way that it's, it's a habit that you've had for years and years and years and that you're repenting, but you now need the help of the Holy Spirit to actually turn that car around and go the other way. Instead of just saying, you know what, I'm, I am sorry that I'm doing this. I am sorry that I'm doing this. And you're just pressing the gas pedal all the way this way, all the way as far as you can go. And then sometimes we're hitting that gas pedal a little harder and a little stronger. And even though the words that are coming out of our, out of our mouth are, I'm sorry, or I repent, our actions aren't reflecting it. But We need to know the truth to be able to repent of, uh, of what's going on. It says in Second Timothy 2, 25, 26, it says, In humility, correcting those who are in opposition, if God perhaps will grant them repentance so that they may know the truth and that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil, having been taken captive by him to do his work will. We have to realize that we have sinned in order to repent. And sometimes, uh, and I know I keep going over this, but as Christians, a lot of times we feel that, you know, we're, we're living good lives. We're, we're not committing all these major sins that, you know, that are so prevalent in our society and that, you know, our neighbor is doing or our brother or sister. But that's not what the question is. Our measuring stick is not our neighbor our measuring stick is not the government. Our measuring stick is not the TV, the media, the celebrities. What our measuring stick is God's word and the foundational truths that are in his word. And if it says in his word, do not do this, then we need to make sure that we're not doing that. Amen. The second thing is earnest, godly sorrow. Pastor Brian was actually just talking about this, is that that true repentance brings about that, that sorrow that you engaged in something that you know that you shouldn't have engaged in. And you know what, it's not, it, it's a conviction, it's not a condemnation. And the difference between conviction and condemnation is that conviction is the Holy Spirit loving you, lovingly uh, showing you and revealing to you what is going wrong in your life and you saying, I've got the strength. I've got I've got what it takes to be able to repent of this, and I've got the Holy Spirit with me to help change it. But condemnation is what the enemy uses, where he brings up old past things that maybe you've already repented of, or he brings up past failures in your life, or you've done something, and he just keeps pounding you for it, and he's attacking who you are, and he's not letting you uh, give get a break in things, and it's really affecting the core of who you are. That's condemnation. That's pressing you down. The Holy Spirit will. Never press you down as he reveals sin in your life. It's a loving, soft, very, and maybe not even soft. Sometimes it's harsh. Sometimes it feels harsh, but it's a very loving process that the Holy Spirit engages in where condemnation, what the enemy uses is a very um, shameful process and shame is not associated with conviction.
0: Amen. Number three of true repentance is clearing yourself of guilt by acknowledgement and confession of sin. Right. So really it's, it's acknowledging of sin, right? So this is really, you know, where we take a look and we're, you know, we're judging that inward part according with the Holy Spirit as he's revealed to us. And we take uh, we take accountability for our actions and we don't just justify them. Okay? You know, a lot of times we have this you know justification process that we want to do on the inside for sin okay you know or you know this individual there's a blaming process all these other things right but at the end of the day it's just simply take accountability for it and as we confess that right we're taking ownership of it and it and it judges our you know ourselves the sin that it actually is and then we release that back to god the father as we confess that sin the next part of that is, is it says there's an indignation or the uh, and fear of god by forsaking of sin in our lives, right? There is a couple of scriptures that, you know, so this is really where we know it says that hate, hate sin. Uh, in Proverbs eight thirteen, it says, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. We just talked on, Pastor Michael just talked on the fear of the Lord last week. Pride, arrogance, and the evil way, and, perverse, and the perverse mouth I hate. Proverbs 3, 8 says, do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. Evil is sin, okay? We need to stop being comfortable with sin in our lives. We okay. need to be stop being comfortable with evil. We need to call it for what it is, which is sin, and we need to depart from it and forsake it. And that's really what it's talking about here when it's referring to departing from evil, keeping the fear of the Lord, that holiness, that reverence for God in our lives. We need to depart from the evil way. We need to not be okay with sin in our lives. We're not to be okay with sin at the door for host, Pastor Michael had made a mention, you know, like we don't even want sin just in the house, but we need to kick it off of the, off of the portions of our last and kick it off of our front property and not allow sin because we need to depart from it and kick it out of our last altogether by forsaking sin that's part of true repentance.
1: I'm, just, I'm feeling like God is speaking in this here and even just going on the fear of the Lord of what you're talking about here is that sometimes we fill our minds and we fill our spirits with things that are desensitizing us to the sin that we are supposed to view as um, terrible before God. Right? And so we're watching movies, we're listening to music, we're we're having conversations at work where you know the environment maybe maybe they're swearing every other word at work, and that's the environment that you're in. But as you begin to engage in that as well, you're beginning to assimilate into that um, uh, environment. And God is calling you to you to live a separated life. He's calling you to live um, outside of that. And as you are that change, and as you are that light in your workplace and wherever you are, you're going to begin to shine so that others automatically stop doing whatever that is in your presence. They're no longer comfortable telling you uh, crude jokes. They're no longer comfortable swearing in your presence. They're no longer comfortable talking about going out and drinking and going to the bars and doing all of the things and doing drugs because now there's something, there's a conviction and it's that it's that space that's there because you're living your life in accordance with the Word of God and you are living a lifestyle of repentance. And in the last couple days, this last week, I kept having this recurring dream and it was um, in, in the dream I'm uh, I, I'm doing something and then all of a sudden somebody comes in the front door and then in one of the dreams I'm, I'm ushering them back out and I'm like get out you don't belong in here you, you you're not allowed in here and I go up and I, I, I um, send them out one door and I lock the door but then I, I realize that the other door is unlocked, and I feel that God is saying in this moment that there are some of you who have kept trying to keep the enemy out of your household, and you have tried to uh, walk away from things. But you're you're sending him out the side door, and you are not locking the front door, and you are not keeping him outside of the gates of your property. And He's calling you to a lifestyle that you are uh, separating yourself, and you are closing things. You're closing the door. You are locking the door, and now you are taking that key and you are not giving it to anybody else. You are not allowing the presence of the enemy on your doorstep. You are not allowing the enemy to have any um, access or route into your house because he does not belong. In Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, back to my notes. Fifth thing, restitution happens when true repentance takes place there is restitution that comes forth and this we see this in the story of Zacchaeus right the love of the presence of god he, God did not have to say to him, Zacchaeus, you've got to restore this. Zacchaeus, you've got to do this. Zacchaeus, you did this, and now you've got to do this. No, his presence was there, and in his presence was light, and that light shone on the darkness, and Zacchaeus um, immediately knew, I need to change this, and now I need to restore things, and I, I don't know what the scripture is, but he says fourfold, I think, um, he's going to restore up to his half of his of his goods fourfold everything he's taken could you imagine think of the sin in your life any sin small sin big sin whatever sin and think about restoring fourfold of everything after that this is a big deal And this is the thing is that in today's society, we think that we can get by by just saying, you know what, I'm sorry I did this. Let's just pick up here and move on. But let me tell you, that's not the way things happen because when you just pick up and move on, you're picking it up with you and you're dragging it along with you. When you want to completely separate from that and you've repented, what's going to happen is that you're going to say, I am cutting myself off from this sin and I'm going to restore everything that is associated with this sin and I'm going to completely change my lifestyle all the way so that it's, there's not even a question in anybody's mind that I'm a changed person and that I'm different. And let me tell you, Zacchaeus was hated. But after this happened, everyone knew that he was a changed man. Everyone knew the power of God that transformed his life. And then, be, and because I'm going to keep going here. Last Go for thing, it. True repentance. Produces reconciliation and restoration, mm-hmm. and this is ultimately what we are. What we are really um, aiming for in life is, you know, there are so many broken relationships that we have with people. There are so many broken marriages. There are so many broken families. There are so many broken relationships with our families, with our friends, with people that we are we were meant to do life with that we're no longer doing life with because there has been something that's gotten in the way. And so when true repentance happens, it can produce reconciliation and restoration in your life. And this is God's ultimate plan. He wants us to be restored. He wants us to be reconciled to him and to each other. And, um, you know, there's there in Revelation, they write some letters, Paul writes some letters to the churches. And this is interesting. In Revelation two, five to six, he writes a letter to Ephesus, the church in Ephesus. And remember these, they're writing these churches, these letters to the churches. It's not to the community. It's not to non-Christians. These are the Christians. These are the churches that he's speaking to. He says, but I have this against you. Imagine somebody coming in here and saying, hey, I have this against you. I'd be probably listening up. Okay. tell me what it is. If it's my authority, I'm like, okay, tell, tell me what it is, because I, I got to change it. You know, we got to change this. But he says, I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love you had at first. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place, unless you repent. And then he writes another letter to the church at Pergamos, Revelations 2, 14 and 16. He says, but I have a few things against you, Because you have there those who hold the doctrine of Balaam, who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the children of Israel, to eat things sacrificed to idols, and to commit sexual immorality. Thus, you also have those who hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, which I hate, which thing I hate, repent, or else I will come to you quickly and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. mouth. These are serious things. Like these are things that are going on in the church, but you know what? He didn't say, I have this against you. You murdered your brother. He didn't say, I have this against you. You lied. What he says is I have this against you is that you walked away from your first love. You're not doing the things that I've asked you to do already. You're doing something different. And then he goes on to another church and he says, but I have this thing against you is that you're believing false doctrine. You no, no longer are holding the doctrine that I have, that I've put forth in my word, and so these are things that we don't really think to repent of. But these are, this is where God is bringing us to new levels, where He's saying, you know what? There may be things that you've believed that are wrong, and if you have, repent and move on. Maybe you've allowed your love to grow cold. Repent and allow that spark to flame up again. It's okay that that happened, but now in this moment, you can change and transform and now begin new life again.
0: Amen, that's good stuff. Now, I wanna talk just for a moment even about revival and repentance. You know, there's two popular scriptures that people like to utilize even when they're speaking of revival. And we hear, first of all, in 2 Chronicles, I think it's 7.14, it says, and many of you are familiar with this verse, it says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land. And these are all parts of these, this process of true repentance that is going on. And there's a healing that takes place in that process. Okay, Now, I also want to tie in where it says Psalms 85, 6. It says, will you not revive us again that your people may rejoice in you? And that word, that word revive actually comes from the word haya. And it means to live. It means to nourish up. It means to make alive again or quicken. Okay, in the Webster's Dictionary, it actually says to return to consciousness or life and become active or flourishing again. And I really, really want you guys to listen to this part, okay? Because this is really important. It says, so listen, when we are in sin, what happens with sin? Sin brings separation from God, sin brings death into our lives. Am I correct? Okay, so when it says for Romans six twenty three, it says for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So here's the thing that I want you guys to really know about this. When we are in sin, we're in that process of death coming into our lives, this process of separation from sin. Okay, it actually said, remember that I will not even hear you in this part because you're separated from God due to the sin in your life. Now listen, when we repent of sin, we are brought back to life to live, to revive again. And this is why repentance is always at the forefront often of revival that we see taking place. Why? Because it pulls us out of death and brings us back into life and into that restored relationship, out of separation and back with God. And that is so important for us to really understand. So at the foundation of where we're at, where we at, we need to be in relationship and in harmony and in unity with god because this is where we're meant to be for our our plan and for that walk with god you know we want to kind of take even a little bit we're going to go through this part a little bit quick but i really believe that we want to take repentance even to the next there's another step that i want to take some people use this term identificational repentance or intercessory repentance or just simply what the scripture refers to as a word intercession. And really, this is a type of prayer that identifies with and confesses before God the corporate sins of one's nation, the people, the church, your family. And this is really what I want to try to tie in right now, even into repentance as we move forward.
1: An intercession is really something that is um, intervening on behalf of somebody, stepping in the gap and, and doing something because it can't be done or it's not being done right? And so we all have a call on our lives to intercede.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Amen. But here's the thing is that If we don't live a lifestyle of repentance, and if we don't get comfortable going before the Father and repenting of our own sins, how are we going to intercede on behalf of our nation? How are we going to intercede on behalf of those who are around us that are are walking towards death and destruction? How are we going to be able to repent on behalf of those people of the nation, If we are not going to live a lifestyle ourselves where we are walking into God's presence and allowing his presence to change us from the inside out. Amen. And as we are doing this and, um, you know, as we are interceding, it is something that um, is going to begin to change our nation and bring revival as Pastor Brian's talking here. You know, we, we want, we talk all the time about how much we want revival. We talk all the time about how, you know, it'd be so great if we could have um, bills passed and legislation passed that goes uh, in accordance with the word of God and not against the word of God and how we say, you know, we're fired up about this and we're fired up about this, but yet we're not willing to go before the father and repent of the sins. I I remember just reading this thing and it was like God on behalf of our nation we repent for um, for the the decisions to kill babies we repent you know and all of these types of things that are are, that you know maybe are being are maybe their legislation in in the country that you're living in maybe in Canada you know like different things you know what yes we have action that we have to take but the first action that we need to take is going before the Father and interceding Mm -hmm. and really Christ was the first one who interceded and he showed us how that looks in our life.
0: Amen. So uh, what Pastor Sherry is talking about, it actually talks about how Christ intercedes for us. And there's multiple scriptures that are related to this. In Isaiah 53:12, it talks about how he made intercession for the transgressors. In Hebrews 7:25, it says, "Therefore he's able to save completely those who come to God through him, because he always lives to intercede for them." In Romans 8:34, it talks about how even he sits now, even at the right hand of God, constantly making intercession for us. See, Jesus is our our example of being an intercessor. Okay. But it doesn't stop with him. We are what we are followers of Christ. We are looking to be transformed into the image and the nature and character of God. And in first Timothy two, one, you know what it says? It says, I urge you first of all, that the petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be given for all people. We are all called to intercede for all people. So not only is Christ interceding for us, but we are also called to intercede for one another. Now, one of the things that I think is really interesting about this is that this is a lifestyle and we need to really realize who's on the throne of our own hearts. Okay. Is Christ on the throne or, or do I have myself on the throne? I really believe this is one of the biggest issues, you know, that we, we come across all the time is that constant struggling with the flesh. I mean, Paul talks about it in God's word. You know, I do the things I don't want to do and so forth, but we're constantly struggling with our flesh. And really that always comes down to a lot of times as a self-centeredness. Okay. Or self-reliance on ourselves versus being relying on God. Okay, and when we look at all of these different things, right, Matthew, Matthew talks about, what does it say? It says, you know, we need to pick up, my cro- pick up the cross and follow after me. It says in Second Corinthians, it says, not only that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves, but all sufficiency is is from god we need to be reliant on god and not relying on ourselves so this is like a it's like a paradox that comes into place because are we really inward focused all the time or are we outward focus on others are we are we constantly because this is reflective in all of our actions all of our decisions and all of our prayer even take a look at the way that you pray is all of your conversation with god always about your circumstances your circumstances, your problems, the issues that are surrounded, you know, your well-being, right? Or is it really about others, the kingdom of God, lost souls, right? It's going to be reflective as to how we think, inwardly or outwardly. And God has called us to be intercessors and to be able to think outwardly about others, not just ourselves.
1: Absolutely. And so, you know, um... I really think that this goes right in line with what Pastor Michael was preaching was it last week that he was preaching on being sure on perpetually that. drowning? Yep. That yeah, I feel like it was like a year ago but yeah maybe this last week was like a year. Who knows? Um, but Pastor Michael was talking about being perpetually drowning, and it just keeps coming back up in, in, in my mind and in my heart, is that as Christians, we, so many of us are walking around perpetually drowning. We're walking around where, um, we, we have so many issues going on in our life that we are, we, we are very inward focused, like Pastor Brian is saying, and we have a hard time reaching out to others because as we reach out, it drown, it um, drains us, and we begin to drown too, because if you have two people, if you have somebody who's drowning, you have somebody who can 't swim, goes out and drown and and tries to save them they're both going to drown you don't have anybody who's who's being saved and so if somebody is um, you know knows how to sin and is walking through life like that and that's that's the part of of being a christian is that we need to strengthen ourselves in the lord we need to encourage ourselves on in the lord we need to build ourselves up and the way that we build ourselves up is a living a lifestyle of repentance and that includes praying that includes going before the father that includes actually transforming things in our life getting thing getting books out of our life that that we don't need in our in our house anymore getting movies out of our house turning off netflix canceling subscriptions that we have, not reading the news, all of these kinds of things that maybe are are skewing things so that we are perpetually drowning. That's what the enemy's doing. He's trying to push us down. He's trying to push us down. He's trying to push us down. And God is saying, here, I got a hand for you. I got a hand for you. And we're like, it's okay. I got it. I got it. I got it. But he says, you don't have to have it. I've got you. Come to me, draw near to me, and I will draw near to you. And this is, I love, there's so many examples in the Bible about um, intercession and um, people interceding for others. And there's a story of the paralytic. And this is found in, where is it found?
0: It's found in Mark Mark 2, 1
1: to 12. I'm going to read this actually because I really like it. It says, and again, he entered Capernaum after some days, and it was heard that he was in the house. Jesus is in the house. Mm. I don't know. I like that phrase. God's in the house today, amen? Let me hear you say it, say it. God's in the house. God's in the house today says, immediately many gathered together, so that there was no longer room to receive them, not even near the door, and he preached the word to them. I love this because this shows that, like, there was multitudes everywhere that Jesus went. And so think about, immediately they all gathered together, so here we are in this place, okay? But imagine there being so many people in this place that you couldn't even move around, and you're just kind of like sardines in a can. And no longer are you able to kind of have your own personal space, and everybody can smell everybody because this is where we're at with things. And imagine a church like that where you come in and you're all just like, there's n- there's not even room at the door. People are trying to look through the windows in the door because there's not enough room. So here's this story and Jesus is there and there's many people gathered and there was this man who he was paralyzed and he could not get to see Jesus. And you know what happened? His friends are like, we got a plan. We got a plan. Let's take the roof off the place. Let's remove the roof. And so they remove the roof and they lower him in on a bed, right in front of Jesus. And there's people all around. And you know what Jesus says to him? He says, he sees the faith of the friends. And he says, because of your faith, then he goes and he turns and he talks to the paralytic. And he says, your sins are forgiven you. Rise up and walk. And do you know, it says immediately, his life was restored to him. Now there was faith. Those friends that he had interceded on his behalf because how many know he didn't have what it took to be able to walk into the place? Nor was there room for him to be able to walk in the place. So what they did was they got creative with things and they said, you know what? We're not gonna keep a lid on this. We're not gonna keep this contained in here, but we're gonna remove the lid and we're gonna add more to this and he is gonna get his healing today. He, they interceded on his behalf and because of it, he was able to receive what he had prayed for for a long time
0: amen there's, there's multiple examples. And it said, there's, there's examples even of, you know, of Abraham, where he was interceding for Sodom and Gomorrah. And this is, his, he goes through this whole process where God says, you know, and he, and he says, God says he's going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And Abraham says, you know what, God, if there's 50 righteous people in there, will you still destroy the city? And God says, no. And then he goes down to 45. Then he goes down to 40. Then he goes down to 35. and He gets all the way down. I think it's like to 10 people. And he says, and he, and he basically is interceding on behalf of that city city. And then God ends up, you know, you know, coming down, you know, to a number, you know, even of 10. And then he pulls out even Lot out of that city. And this is a process of someone interceding for a city. And then we have another process you know, where where there's people who are interceding even for the nation. Moses interceded for the nation. It talks about even in Numbers 21, it talks about how the people were murmuring against him and murmuring against God out in the wilderness. And then it says, you know, then there was a plague that came upon them and snakes were biting them. And this is, you know, where we get the, you know, the bronze serpent that was lifted up and if they looked upon it. But what happened is is they came to God and Moses went back to God and prayed on behalf of the people and God gave him instruction on how to put up the bronze serpent that they could look upon and that they could be healed. And this is, there's many examples of that. There's Esther who prayed for the nation. There was Nehemiah who prayed for the nation. Daniel prayed for the nation, right, and interceded for them. There's all kinds of examples in God's word. And this is really what I want you guys to realize as we wrap up this last little point here is that as intercession, as intercessors, okay, we need to realize, okay, that we need to hear and see things through the eyes of God. Right? And as we hear and we see things through the eyes of God, we also have the heart of God and the love of God for other people. We comes out of a state of being broken for one another. The prophets who interceded for the nations, they were broken people who were loving and caring and praying and interceding for God. Moses, in his, one of his examples, he says, as he was praying for the nation, he says, even blot my name out of your book, on behalf of the people so that they could be restored, right? And it's always about mercy and compassion when we look into intercession, right? Intercessors, right, are marked by God. They're marked. We're, Pastor Sherry believes she's got a whole message that she wants to talk about, even on being marked by God. But in Ezekiel 9, what does it say? It says, And the Lord said to him, Go through the midst of the city and through the midst of Jerusalem and put a mark on the foreheads of the men who sign or weep or cry and groan over all the abominations that are done with it. Right. Intercessors are marked by God. We are marked and chosen. It says in God's word, touch not the oil and the wine. Right. We are marked by God and intercessors. Right. They can change the mind of God. That's what happened with Abraham. He changed God's mind as to what was going to take place. Right. And when they pray, they're praying the will of God and not their own will. One of the great things about having the gift of tongues is it says that we pray the will of God when we know not what to pray. And we get to pray that perfect will of God and intercede for one another because the Holy Spirit also intercedes, it says, even with uh, groanings, right, on the inside. And this is part of what we really need to be aware of. And I want to say something really specific even about prayer. If you're praying a prayer that is looking to override the will of another individual, you're praying nothing but witchcraft. Okay? That is not the way that we pray. We pray in accordance with God's will. We do not pray to override the will of other individuals, right? And so, but we pray and we intercede for mercy and for grace for individuals to be able to come back into a place of restoration with God Almighty.
1: Amen. Why don't you guys all stand to your feet right now? I just wanna read James 5, 16. It says, confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed it says the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails avails much and we often take this scripture and we read the second half of it the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much But we neglect the first part of it where it says confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. And so today what we're going to do is we're going to take time to pray. We're going to take time to intercede right now. I don't want you guys to leave. I don't want you to, you know, you might feel uncomfortable right now. That's okay. That's good. That's a good feeling is feeling uncomfortable in this moment because that's what's going to spur you on to action. And so what we're going to do is um, we want you to confess to one another. If there's something in your life, talk to one another, confess your sins, pray with one another, intercede for one another. And so if you're here with your family or your husband, wife, your children, your parents, I just want you guys to get together, maybe friends, neighbors, those around you, and I just want you to become vulnerable before God and with one another, where you're saying, God, I'm coming to another level of accountability with you, and I'm no longer going to hide things in my life. I'm no longer going to smooth them out and think they're not as bad as what as what people say they are, but I'm going to recognize all sin before you today so let's begin to pray just get together with
0: we're also gonna have the pastors up here at the front that people can also come up and if you need to be ministered to that way you need to you know have conversation and confess you know even with a pastor uh, you know that's something that you know you'll be able to do right now but I really want you guys right now as pastor Sherry said just start praying you can start praying in tongues but I want you guys to just start praying with one another pray with one another or pray with one of the pastors up here but we want to repent of sin in our lives. I want you guys to remember, you know, even as we pray about sin, it's not just the little things that we think about every day, but it's the lost love of God. It's about the false doctrine. It's about the the fear, the lack of the fear of God, all of these different things in our lives. So as we start praying, Pastor Sherry and myself, we're going to even pray out loud, but I want you guys now to start praying with one another. I, I believe how many, if you want to see that change in your life, it says that you can be healed And as we are healed, we are also restored. So Father God, this day, as a congregation, as individuals, as families, Lord, as a nation, we come before you this day, Lord, and we repent. Father God of the sin that we have beheld in our lives this day. Father we repent Father of, of the lack of the fear of God. We repent Father God of walking away from you. We repent Father God of walking away from our first love. We repent Father God for listening and holding fast Lord Jesus to false doctrines. Our Father God we repent Father of even sexual immorality and all things Lord Jesus that have separated us from you in our last Lord. The things that we've allowed to creep in Lord Jesus we confess those things Lord and we, we forsake them Lord Jesus we forsake them in our last. we acknowledge that they are wrong that they're not just okay things to be able to have on our front porch but Father God we choose to lock the front door after we have kicked out the enemy out of our lives and Lord Jesus we thank you Lord that you are doing a restorative work within us I thank you Lord that God the sorrow Lord leads to repentance in our lives Lord and I thank you Lord that we can even intercede Father God for one another this day we can intercede intercede for our families. We can intercede for our nations. I thank you, Lord Jesus, for what you are doing in our lives right now. I just encourage you, I said, to to confess this morning, to forsake to repent this morning of the sins that we can intercede even for for one another. Go ahead, Pastor Sherry.
1: Father, I just thank you, Lord, for this nation that we live in, God, right now. I thank you, Father, that even though we are made up of imperfect people, God, I thank you that we are becoming a nation that is uh, transformed into the, l- the likeness of you, God. I thank you, Father, that fear of the Lord is beginning to flow and, and uh, just overtake the entirety of our nation, Father, starting all the way down in the individual lives, Father, in the hearts of the homes, in the hearts of the people, the marriages, Father, individuals, families, God. And I thank Thank you, Lord, through all of the different layers all the way up to our, our main government. God, I thank you that you are just sending people across their path to witness your love. I thank you, Father, that your word is alive, that it that it transforms us. And so today, God, we choose to stand in the gap. We choose to be marked by you, Father. We choose to intercede, God, that we would not be content um, just standing on the sidelines, watching people fall off the edge, God. But I thank you, Lord Jesus, that we would take a stand and we would grab your hand and we would no longer be drowning, Father. But I thank you, Lord Jesus, that we would now begin to walk on the water in Jesus' name. I thank you, Father, that a great faith is rising up in the hearts of the people right now. And I thank you, Father, that you are changing us into the likeness of you. That you are changing us to become more and more like you, Father. I thank you, Lord, that we will begin to see as we get closer to you, Father, and we see your reflection in our life, God. That your reflection would be everything that we live our life to be, God. That we would live Christ-like, that we would live Christ-centered, that we would be marked by God, and that others would see that we are marked by God. I thank you, Lord, that we stand out, Father. That we're not, uh, uh, we're we're okay with stepping out. That we're okay with being the ones who don't necessarily fit in with the status quo. But God, today we choose to follow your word. We choose to stand in the gap. We choose to intercede on behalf of those that we love, those that you love, Father. And God, I just ask that you help us to love people the way that you love people, to see people through your eyes. God, I ask for forgiveness right now for um, seeing people for their faults and for their shortcomings, God. And I ask that you transform me into seeing people for who you have created them to be and for their full potential, God. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that we are beginning to see people through the eyes of God, and we are no longer looking at people through their past mistakes. We're no longer looking at people through what they did yesterday or a moment ago, God, but I thank you that we can walk in your forgiveness. We can walk in your truth, and I thank you, Father, that we are washed by your word today, in Jesus' name. As
0: we are wrapping up the service, I just want to encourage you, as I said as well, the altars will be open for those who need ministry, for those who need to talk to a pastor, you know, as you... Are looking to make change in your life, or even if you have never, you know, even surrendered your life to Christ, or you have walked away from Him, and you want to repent of that and make Jesus the Lord of your life, you can come up as well and talk to one of the pastors. But if there's been things that you've been struggling with, and you want to forsake those things and you want to join your faith together, even with one of our altar team this day, to be able to propel you forward into the sanctification and the cleansing process of Jesus Christ's day just encourage you. For the rest of everyone else, you guys are dismissed today. I want you guys to just remember that God loves you. God favors you. I want you to go forth and have a blessed and highly anointed life, but I want you to go forth remembering that we are walking in the fear of God. We are walking in holiness this week, and we want to forsake the sin that we have in our lives as it transforms us into a place of life with Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. You may be blessed that the altars are open. I encourage you, if God's still ministering to you right now, to come on up and let him complete that work that he has started within you this day. Amen.
2: Hello, and welcome to the After Nine Show. I have one of my favorites, Pastor Luke. The buff here with us today. Um, we're going to be talking about what we got out of the message today. So if you're just joining us for the first time, maybe you've never tuned in to i9 before, um, what we do is we like to talk at the end of service as if you were here with us in person and just kind of run it by like you know what something that you got out of it or you know what was something that stood out to you. So it's a little extra little extra nugget. It's like a dessert like yes, the dessert right. of Sundays. So it is today is Sunday, March 26th, 2023. Um, and if you're just tuning in now and you didn't get a ch- chance to watch the service, go ahead and rewind and then come back and check us out. We'll still be here.
3: Please do so. Yes. It'll be well worth your time. It
2: will be. Pastor uh, Luke.
3: A basic yes. message on a, a doctrine of repentance yes. that I feel that has been lacking in the body of Christ for a long time. And yet it's the one one of Christianity.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
3: You know, we're all going to miss the mark, but God has made a way for us to repent and to forgive and to forsake. Yep. And make restitution and walk in victory. Yeah. But a lot of people don't understand that and they'll hurt each other and just walk away and say, oh, I'm sorry, but yep. there's no repentance.
2: Yeah. There's no change of heart. Exactly. There's no
3: change of heart. Yeah. Godly repentance will produce fruit in one's life. That's right. Fruit of repentance. Yeah. You'll want to make things right. You'll yeah. want to go forth and make restitution where you can. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just find this morning was such a powerful message. Yeah. Even to search our own hearts, you know, yeah. there's things sometimes that transpire in our lives that we want to bury rather than confess it yep. and repent from it. Yeah, And uh, it was good, yep. really good.
2: You know, I was talking to my kids at Youth on Friday about similar, not exactly this topic, but the comp- the conversation of confession and like um, having people in your life to tell your shortcomings to, tell your sins for to, sure. is, is a safe thing for a Christian to have, not even like it's biblical. The Bible says, Confess your sins, and he is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. So I really believe that that act of confession, like Pastor Brian and Cherry were talking about today, eliminates that element of shame. You know, if you have That's a right. safe person where you're able to say, look, I'm struggling, I need help, I need prayer, Amen. you know, then that person's able to step in for you. That's right. And like Pastor Brian and Terry were talking about, have that intercession between uh, two friends. So it's really important, I think. You know, I, I think when people are stuck in sin, even in this day and age even like there's so many reasons like um so many pastors that we see are just like oh my gosh I didn't know you know but it's it's that little thing that just says oh you don't want to tell anyone that you're struggling you don't want to tell anyone that you've got this but no you do confess your sins and he will forgive you of them
3: we're all in the same boat yeah and you know there's only one sin that God won't forgive is unconfessed sin
2: yeah
3: if we don't confess our sins and truly to have a desire to repent and turn, yeah. turning 180 degrees yeah. and go the other way and want to change because you're sinning against a true and living God. Yeah. Nobody else. Exactly. Yeah. We might hurt each other, yeah. but it hurts God it hurts a lot more. more. Yeah. Eh?
2: And I mean, who cares? You're embarrassed for five minutes. Huh. Get over your pride.
3: <laughs> That's exactly <laughs> right? it. Pride will hinder you from receiving the deliverance that god has made for you that's
2: right nobody is out of reach of uh sin or you know nobody is perfect right and i think that that's a really important thing to kind of hold on to is just trust that jesus's blood was for us and that um you know he's standing he's our middle man so if you have a sin if you have something i really think that that's going to be big for us for this year is just just find people that are safe that you can have to help you lift up in your faith
3: the bottom line, he shed his blood, yeah. not only for our sin, but for the sins of the world. Yeah, exactly. It's done mm-hmm. that whosoever would believe that and confess their sins and repent of them yeah. did receive forgiveness.
2: I was I was laughing at Pastor Sherry a little bit because I, you know how the winds were really bad yesterday? My, yes. my roommate and I decided it would be fun to go to Stratford. So we left and then we came home right when it was like really, really bad and it was pitch black and she's like, well, we could take one or two ways. We can take the back roads until like Chatham or we could take the 401 the whole way there. And I'm like, well, I don't know if I want to go in the 401 right now because it's so bad. So I'm like, let's just take the back roads. So we're on the back roads and it's like pitch black and all of a sudden these like humongous start blowing into the road and I'm like this is not better <laughs> and so you know I was laughing because I thought you know you think well they're both going to get me in the direction that I want to go Amen. but do I want to take this path that's more dangerous in the end that's or it. do I want to have my four ways on for a little bit on the 401 right so it's like when it comes to that that season of finding repentance, finding that mm. time to be able to be free, how difficult do you want it to be? <laughs> because at some point, you got to have that um, confrontation with it, whether it's in front of God on Judgment Day, yeah. or whether it's here on earth. So do you want it to be on the 401, or do you want it to be in the back roads?
3: <laughs> It's better off to do it here. Trust me, the 401 is so much better. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah. you know, that's a good analogy. Thank you. But it, it's so true. It yeah. just... Our pride hinders us. You know what pride does? It blinds you into thinking that everything's okay while you still have sin that's not been repented of, confessed of, where restitution needs to take place and and reconciliation in relationships. And that opened up my eyes today that uh, we got to. Be down and real with God. Mm-hmm. We can't fool him anyway. No, we can't. He knows everything. We could try, but I don't know. We, we, we got to become real with ourselves okay. and say, Hey, I yep. got to make, I got to make restitution That's here right. where I can yep. and believe God for the outcome. That's right. And I think, you know,
2: people even say like, Oh, I'm stuck in my relationship with God. Or, I'm not moving forward, but like blind spots are a real thing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, something we've really been talking about is the importance of community, even during this fast. We're in week two, um, but we have like a little community that has been talking about it. And I think that we can't get through anything in life without people. And um, if you don't have that community in your life to be able to say, hey, like Pastor Luke, do you see anything in me that maybe I need to work on? That person, Pastor Luke, will say in love, you know what, Sarah, I noticed that you are. (laughs) Let
3: me help you with this. Okay.
2: (laughs) <laughs> I thought you were going to say I thought you were going to say a blind spot. I was ready for it. <laughs> but you know, it's like have that person that in love can tell you, you, you know, yeah. you need to work on this and then you can receive it without pride and say you're right. Like thank you. So and that'll we, help you move forward.
3: We all have blind spots. We do. That everybody sees. Yeah. But you can't see. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. And I often seen trying to speak in people's blind spots mm-hmm. where it's not received. Yeah. But you've done. You've said it. Yeah. You, you've done what you needed to do. Yeah. And there are decisions is between them and God.
2: That's right. And if you react to something, if someone says something to you, like, "Hey, blah blah blah," and then you like, it's like maybe you need to check your heart, sister. Amen. Anyway, we're getting off topic, but um, okay, so we talked about uh, Zacchaeus a little bit too today. And I really liked that analogy of the tree that Pastor Cherry was talking about, because that's very really true, right? Like Jesus is providing for you and whatever situation you're in. But like Zacchaeus was living a life that, you know, was the way that it was. But at some point he was confronted with this moment with Jesus. And then that tree had to be there for this encounter to happen. So like how that was so encouraging for me.
3: And not only that, he was a scoundrel, yeah, a robber, I a deceiver. A okay. Yeah. And jesus didn't tell him that he had to make restitution but just being in the presence with jesus the conviction of god came upon him where he wanted to make restitution and give back to everything that he had stolen yeah
2: that's good
3: so you know that's that's what that why that's why it's so important to come into the presence of god with a clean heart yes so that he can have his way in you yeah He's here here to mold us and shape us into His image likeness. I want to be more like Him. Yes, me too. And I know you do too. So much. Amen.
2: Yeah, more and more every day. And that's the thing, the presence of the Holy Spirit, the presence of God, it offers correction and conviction, but with love. Amen. Amen. Well, I think that's all we have time for today, Pastor Luke. Thank you so much for joining me. We got cut off last week. We were supposed to do this last week. But we got today here we are so uh, i wish you all the very best sunday we'll see you tomorrow at the lighthouse at 6:30. and if you want to join us in the fast it's not too late we still have two weeks to go just um send us a message all of the information is on facebook or you version and uh yeah. yeah we're excited about the what's to come any closing thoughts
3: tune in and listen to this service and you'll be blessed amen god bless you
2: have the best day of your life